0: You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com slash connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. Okay, so if we're going to talk about being salt and light, and today I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but when I talk about it, I'm going to lean more on the salt the flavor thing, okay? If we're going to talk about being salt and the light, eventually we're going to have to talk about some controversial issues. I mean because if you're going to be salt or you're going to be flavor, if you're going to flavor something, and and salt changes flavor, if you're going to change the flavor of something, then you're going to be a little controversial. You know, you're you might rub somebody the wrong way, like salt can tend to do at times, but you got to do it all in the right way as well. So today, several weeks ago, when I was laying out all these sermons and, and uh, planning all this, and several weeks ago, th- this, this sermon was going to be about a lot of life matters, so that's, that's kind of the working title of this sermon about a lot of the life matters that are um, being discussed and argued about in, in, in our culture, a lot of the controversies that we have about life and death and different things going on in our, in our culture. And as, as, as I began to develop this sermon, there was one of these that kept growing, and the others just kind of you know, <laughs> stayed small in the sermon. And I thought, well, I'll just hit them real quick, and then I'll spend more of my time here. But then uh, this week, it's like this one, just, this, this one just kept growing bigger and bigger, and so finally I decided, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna be preaching an, an hour if I if I try to do anything except this one. So I'm just going to share one with you today, okay? One life matter. We're gonna discuss this, and it's one of the controversies that we have around us today, okay? Life matters. Exodus chapter twenty, verse thirteen, right there, there it is. Uh, and, and you might recognize recognize this. It's one of the one of the ten commandments: Thou shalt not kill. Right. So life matters. Life matters to God, and if it matters to God, then it should matter to us. So these life and death issues, and, and even the controversial ones, that we, oh, Pastor, do, do, do churches really need to talk about that? Absolutely. If, if it matters to God, it should matter to us. And here, here's the thing, is, is everybody's talking about all these issues, uh, and I might mention real quickly, but everybody's talking about all these life and death issues out there And it seems like the voices are getting louder and louder. Hey, Amen. I mean think about it You know really getting rough out there in some places, but the one voice that seems to get quieter and quieter is the church and how, how, how can that be if we're supposed to be the salt if we're supposed to be the light How can that be we we, we can't we can't do that? Take me to this, to this scripture, my next scripture right there. This is Matthew chapter 5, and this is our salt scripture. This is, this is where we get this salt and light thing. Is When Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five thirteen, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its savor, and I, I know you probably don't use that word. You use the word more like flavor, right? If the salt loses its flavor, its ability to, to flavor things, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Man, I don't, I don't want that to be describing me. I don't want, you know, whoever Jesus is talking to, I don't want that to be me. I don't want to be there. I don't want him to be talking about me as, he, as he's laying all that, that out. I, 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 don't, I don't want that to be me. I, I don't want to not have flavor. I do not want to be, as Jesus said, if, you, if you're salt and you don't have any flavor, you're useless. That's by my words. That's what he's saying right there. And it's no longer good for anything. I don't want that to be me. And as Christians, it can't be. It, you know, if, if we're going to be salt, if we're going to be flavor, every con- and this is from a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, I said this. If we're going to be salt, if we're going to be the salt of the earth, then every conversation that a Christian is involved in should have some flavor of Jesus Christ in it. You know, and not, not just the conversations, but everything else as well, you know, uh, our relationships. There should not be a relationship that I have in this world as a Christian that doesn't have some flavor of Jesus Christ in it. If I'm, if I'm involved in, in a business of some kind, if I'm, if I'm one of the leaders or owners of a business, there should be some flavor. As a Christian, there should be some flavor of Christ in that business in some way. You know, everything I do, everything I touch, there should be some, because I'm salt. I'm supposed to be flavoring things. I'm supposed to be changing things. I'm supposed to be shaking things up a little bit because I'm salt. But we've got some conflicts, some inner conflicts. I talked about one of those a couple weeks. I I started to start this off with just a review, and I thought, no, they'll they'll, they'll fit better just right here. So a couple of things here we're reviewing and just reminding ourselves. And if you missed that first sermon, make sure you go back and listen to it. If you missed Jeff's last week, make sure you go back and listen to that. But one of the inner conflicts we have is this thing about truth and grace. How, how do we share truth and at the same time have grace? It's like for some reason we have an inner conflict where that we don't understand how we can balance both. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, so I won't spend a lot of time there. But, but we, we, we must share the truth, but we share it in grace. Okay. But there's another conflict that we have. It's one that I really want us to think about today. That this is the inner conflict that a lot of Christians are having today. And I think it's the reason a lot more Christians are not being the salt that they have the potential to be is because we're struggling to know really what truth is. Because of so much being said out there. You know, one more thing that I said from two weeks ago is that we cannot afford to allow what we feel to change what we know. But that's what we're doing, is what we know, we know, we know, and then we start feeling and say, like, oh, well, wait a minute, no, we can't. It, the tr- what the truth is, we cannot allow the truth to be changed by emotion and feeling, and, and even grace. Grace doesn't replace truth. Grace doesn't change truth. Okay, let's say it this way, next slide right there. Is truth is absolute, it doesn't change, and it is found in Jesus. Okay, Truth is absolute, it doesn't change, it is found in Jesus. We could reverse that order right there and we could say truth is found in Jesus, so it is absolute, it doesn't change. Because it's found in Jesus, who is Jesus? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if truth is found in him, then truth is absolute, it never changes. Because it is found in Jesus Christ. But here's, here's the balance of it. Next slide for me, Tommy. Here's the balance. And here's what I wanna share with you today. Okay, there's a, like I said, there are a lot of life matters issues that I wanted to throw at you. I wanna talk a little bit about euthanasia, the way we view our aged and, uh, and those infirmed, those who are dealing with disabilities. And I want to talk to you about suicide. I, there's probably not a family in this room right now that hasn't somehow been touched by suicide, like ours was not, not too awful long ago. There's probably not, not, not a family in this room that hasn't been touched by that. So I, you know, I wanted to share a little bit about all those kinds of things, and, and I think those are two of the biggest controversial kind of life matters things, and, but really the one I feel really strongly led to speak about this one, and you know what it is? What's the other one? Abortion. Abortion, we're going to talk about abortion, pastor, don't you think that, no, 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 I think that's something we definitely need to talk about today, because according to Exodus chapter 20 verse 13, life matters, <laughs> life matters, and we've got to talk about this issue, so what, so what, the, what do these things kind of mean, now so there's two places I want to be careful, and right here uh, leads us into one of those right here, one, but one place I want to be careful is I, I'm going to do everything I can to not give you my opinion, okay, I don't want to preach. I don't ever want to preach my opinion. If you want to ask me my opinion, I'll be glad to give it. Now, I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a human being, so I may mess up, and I may share some of my opinion in this sermon, okay? But I'm gonna, I, don't, I, I don't want to give you Let me tell you why I don't want to give you opinion. Because my opinion has never set anybody free. My opinion does not have any power in it whatsoever. But the truth the truth John chapter 8 verse 31 32 Jesus said to the people who believed in him you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free not not opinions not not Facebook rants oh no oh no you're gonna talk about that for a minute pastor yet yeah, maybe just a little bit right not Facebook rants not opinions what sets people free the truth sets people free so I don't want to share my opinion with you today I, I want to share with you the truth and and it, this has been one of my biggest prayers of this week for this sermon is that I don't come across to you sharing my opinion but that I, that I share with you the truth of what, what Christ really wants us to know and what what we need to figure out from Scripture okay and, and and even from science as well so what is truth what is the truth and about abortion as well I, I, and I think the the biggest controversy Probably in all of it, it's when life begins. Is that my next slide? Make sure I'm staying on li- oh, oh, wait, I just skipped one, did it? Take it to me, the one I, I, I just skipped. Thank you. Here's the, other, here's the other place I wanna be real careful. Is I wanna be careful with some grace here because just like most everybody's family has been touched by suicide, there are a lot of people, some people even in this room, that have had an abortion in their past. But I want you to understand the stance 29 11 takes not just about abort but about anything that our attitude toward the past is grace <laughs> everything, everything in the past everything about our attitude toward that is grace but our attitude toward the future must be truth you, it must be about truth it can't be you know you don't promise your your ten-year-old they mess up you don't promise them hey you can go and mess up again tomorrow and I'm, a, I, I'm gonna have grace again you don't promise that you know no, you got to give them truth for tomorrow right that's what you do It must be truth. And another way to say that, that next slide up there. If you—a Truth is what we know. We kind of mentioned this last two weeks ago. Grace and love dictate how we share it. But knowing the truth and not sharing it is the opposite of love. If I know the truth and I don't share it, you see, I think here's one of the reasons that the salt is getting quieter and quieter, that the church is getting quieter, because we're a little worried. I don't want to offend anybody. You know, because I, if I offend somebody, but, but not sharing the truth that you know is the opposite of love. Imagine yourself standing on the street corner, okay? And you see someone who is visually impaired, maybe even blind, and they're about to step out, and as they take a step, you see a bus coming. Now, do you step back and say, oh, man, if I tell them a bus is coming, I'm going to offend them because... They, because I'm going to say, look, I see stuff you don't see. I know something you don't know. And I don't know. I, I probably ought to just not say anything and risk offending them. Is that what you're going to do? No, because you know a truth that is going to hurt them, what do you do? I mean, love dictates, man, you got to grab them. you got to do whatever you can to rescue them and save them. And if we don't, then we, we've lost our savor. We've lost our flavor. I mean, so, so not sharing the truth we know is the very opposite of love. We have to do that. Okay, so now take me to that next slide, Tommy. Thank you for helping me. So when does life begin? I think this is the big discussion and issue with, um, with abortion. And again, I want to try to not share my opinion. When does life begin? So you know what I did is I started, yeah, I started looking at, if we want to know something, I don't mean just the church, if we want to know something where we look to, science right so what does science say about it what is science uh conception implantation when does life begin quickening the when when the mom first feels the baby kick tissue separation brain activity when does life begin heartbeat viability breath you know the first breath when does life begin you believe there's this many options for us to think about no let me tell you in my research i actually ran across one article that a, science listed, a scientist listed 17 options for when life might begin. 17. You know, and you know what, I think when I started reading, I thought, I'm not going to read all this. This is crazy because it can't be that difficult, can it? I mean, you know, science is supposed to be science. You know, like we talked about again two weeks ago, two plus two is always four. You know, truth is always true. But you know what I found? The more and more I research, here's what I found, is there's basically two schools of thought. In science about when life begins okay and the first one is this that it is unequivocally and I've got you a couple of articles lots of articles on the, uh, on the on this in the sermon notes on the connect page today church2911.com connect go to the sermon notes lots of articles there too just about this from scientists the first the first school of thought about when life begins is unequivocally without question without hesitation life begins at conception that when you take that when you take what we say life means you know scientifically that life begins at conception because all of those things are in place one of those articles both of them good but one of them really lays it out for you here's the why and, and you don't have to be a scientist to be able to understand it so encourage you to read that okay that's 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 the first school of thought the second school of thought well actually there is no second school of thought because what i found besides all those articles i only gave you two but there's a bunch more out there This is life unequivocally, without question, without hesitation, begins at conception. All the other articles were like, here it is, here it is, here it is, but we don't know. But we can't say. But, you know, and it's like punting it back to, and it's punting it back to the realm of emotion, of feeling. And at times, even religion, they would say, well, you know, it's a religious thing or whatever. Okay, well, if, if science is either going to tell me that or punt it back to God, you know, then let's go to God. You know, let's ask God, you know, God, how, how do you feel about abortion? Now, do you ever get a little bothered that God doesn't just tell us in the Bible all the stuff that we know, that there's not just, that you can't just search in the Bible, what does God say about abortion, you know, and that there's a scripture that says, God says, behold, abortion, da-da-da-da-da, you know, Sometimes, don't you just wish that God would just answer all those kinds of questions like you got some that you never You, you kind of start to you kind of get an idea of what the answer is, but he doesn't say exactly Well, there, there's a reason for that, you know I mean the, the, the Bible wouldn't you know be as big as you know be so big It'd have to fill this room if every little thing that you and I needed an answer for were specifically laid out But maybe God has answered a bigger question let, 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 me show you, let me show you what I mean by this. Um, Jeff spoke last week. Those of you who know Jeff, and he plays keyboard and sings, you know, most every week. Spoke last week while, while we were on vacation. Jeff, this is something you may not know about Jeff, Jeff's an Auburn fan, a die-hard Auburn fan. Ask his Alabama fan wife who lives with him, she'll tell you he is a die-hard Auburn fan. You know, and because I know that about Jeff, That is a big, broad answer, deep answer about Jeff that answers a whole lot of questions that I don't need to ask Jeff because I already know. But to humor you, to explain, to to show you what I mean, I'm gonna ask Jeff a couple questions, okay? And I gave him a little heads up, you know, and of course we did it in the first service too. So I'm gonna ask him, November 16th, Jeff, Georgia Bulldogs come calling to Auburn. Who are you gonna be pulling for, Jeff? Auburn, baby. Auburn. So. Did anybody wonder before I asked the question? No, nobody. Let's ask him about the, the big. I mean, there's two big ones on the Auburn schedule, right? And this year they both come to Auburn, to the loveliest village on the plains, right? Okay, so let's ask him about the other one. What do y'all think the answer going to be? November the 30th, when Alabama shows up, that, those buses may be driving right through Toomer's Corners, you know, on their way. When Alabama gets to the state, who are you going to be pulling for on November 30th, Jeff? <laughs> Okay, so we need to let Jeff have an opportunity to uh, apologize to all those people he had just offended, right, with his war eagle in the middle of a church service, right? Nah, you'd do it too, you Alabama fans, all right? Okay, so you know what? I can think of a thousand more questions to ask Jeff that I don't need to ask him. I knew those. I knew the answer, right? Why? Because he is a die-hard Auburn fan. You know. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't have to ask, ask it, but I can think of it a thousand more questions. You know, um, coaches come and go. If Gus Malzahn is not not the coach in 2020, you know, ne- next season, not this year, but next season, Jeff, are you still going to pull for I, I don't have to ask him that question. He was an Auburn fan before Gus Malzahn ever showed up. You know, if there's going to be some quarterback controversy this year in Auburn, it's going to happen with with new guys coming in. That's going to happen. So, Jeff, are you going to pull for Auburn regardless of who the quarterback? I don't have to ask him who that question. You know, if the defense doesn't function, you know, doesn't perform like it should, if they don't get the turnovers that you're expecting, you know, Jeff, he's going to still pull for Auburn. If 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 a running back drops the ball every single every single play this year, are you going to pull? He's still going to pull for. Like these que- I don't have to ask these questions. I don't have to ask him every single day, every single opponent, every single situation. Jeff, who and you know, what? I don't have to ask him because he's already answered the bigger question for me. He is an Auburn fan. You get it? I don't have to ask God. All these little bitty questions if he's answered this big question and he has answered a really big question in the Bible is like is what does God feel how does God view the unborn you know and if God answers that question for us then we should be able to take it from there about how God feels about other things you know it, 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 we should be able to take it from there how he feels about the unborn should tell us how he feels about abortion How he feels about the unborn should tell us how he feels about someone even accidentally causing the the death of an unborn child. How how God feels about the unborn should tell us how God also feels about someone injuring an unborn child, even if it doesn't cause death. It should tell us how God feels about that. So so let's let's ask this question then, because maybe God doesn't say in, in, in a particular verse of Scripture, this is how I feel about abortion, but God... How do you feel about the unborn? But he does answer that question. And in Psalm chapter 139, the psalmist explains that to us and the psalmist is speaking to God when he writes this he says God you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb you saw me before I was born every day of my life was recorded in your book every moment was laid out before a single day had passed you know this was 3,000 years before the first ultrasound ever happened you know, but when I read this, it's almost to me. It's almost like like David is coming out, you know, of the doctor's office, you know, and he's just seen an ultrasound of his own child, and he's saying, "Oh God, you saw me before all my members were even you. You formed me in the seclusion." It's like he's seeing this. Where does he get that? You know, he didn't get it from the the same place you and I might get this this kind of language. Where did he get that? Except except that God impressed this on him that he would know all of these kinds of things, and and and, and To take this to the other side, is God kind of says the same thing to Jeremiah. Now this is David saying this to God, but look at what God says to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. You you know Jeremiah, you know who he is? One of our scriptures, Jeremiah 29, 11, where, where God is speaking through Jeremiah and says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's chapter 29, but he says in the fifth verse, uh, of the whole book of Jeremiah, uh, when God before God starts giving him all these things to say to prophesy, this is what God says: I, he's, Jeremiah, I'm going to call you to to speak to my people, and, and th- this is what He says to him. He says, "I knew you before I formed you, in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations." That this is how God looked at Jeremiah in his mother's womb. Before this, I already knew you. I'd already chosen you to be a prophet, and not just to my own people, but to the nations. That, that God had chosen him in this way and knew these things about him. You know, I've often considered and thought the what if. You know, what, what if this child that was aborted, what if, what was their potential? What could have happened in, in our life, and in, in our culture, in our world, If they had lived perhaps perhaps one of them would have grown up to be the doctor who finds the cure to cancer or maybe another one would have grown up to 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 be the doctor who finds the cure the scientist who finds the cure for Alzheimer's Parkinson's and all those diseases maybe Maybe they would have been the person who would, who would broker peace in some region in the world that today is torn apart. And there's, there's several of them that come to mind in a hurry. You know, and, and, and I think of those things, but then I also think of what if, what if someone like Abraham Lincoln had been aborted? What if Martin Luther King Jr. had been aborted? What about Saul? What about Einstein? What about Edison? What if, what if people like that had, had been aborted? And, and what, and so you and I, we can kind of try to imagine our minds, but God actually knows. He knows what all of these unborn babies in their mother's womb, he knows what all the potential was in all of their lives, and if they were aborted, he knows what potential this world lost. They lost them. So It it goes a little deeper for God there than it does for me and you and I I think that's part of the problem as well is I think sometimes We get a a, an ostrich mentality stick our head in the sand And I think there's a lot a lot of the reason that a lot of people don't speak up is because they say well This isn't an issue for me, and I, I really don't get a voice in this I'm a I'm a guy I've never been pregnant You know or or you may be a lady that never had an unwanted pregnancy and so you've never dealt with the decision of, of this or that. And so, so then we feel like, well, I don't have a voice. Well, you know, for yourself, you don't have a voice. But what would God say? What would God say about these unborn? I mean, we just read scriptures. And, and you may say, well, Pastor, now you're throwing your opinion. Well, maybe I am throwing a little bit of opinion in here. But you tell me, what's your opinion about the way God views the unborn based on these two passages of scripture we just read? about how God views and about how, what God is looking at. I mean, is, is, is there any doubt that is left there? You know, and in Proverbs, the writer in Proverbs lists seven things that God hates. You know what number three is? Hands that kill the innocent. And what could be more innocent than a baby that has never even had the chance to cry and demand a bottle? I mean, all babies can... Can be a little headstrong, right? A little stubborn and demanding. But what, what could be more innocent than a baby that's never even had the chance to cry and demand a bottle? Or demand their way? Or to talk back, to be sassy, to stay out late past curfew, to break the law, to have an accident, to, to mistreat somebody, to bully? What, what could be more innocent than a baby that has never even had that opportunity still in its mother's womb? These are these are the things, this is the thing that one of the things, one of the top seven that God hates. Number three, hands that shed innocent blood. So what do we do with this? See, if we're not careful, we'll take that attitude that, well, it does. But what does God feel about? God, God's never had an unwanted pregnancy. But He speaks for the unborn. He speaks for them as well. So then how do we take this? So we act like. It's almost like, well, it's not really an issue for me. If I'm a child of God and, and I know how he feels about the unborn, then it's an issue for me because I'm the salt. I'm supposed to be flavoring things. I'm supposed to be rubbing some things, maybe sometimes even the wrong way and making people a little uh, maybe uncomfortable in their own feelings and things. I want to I show you how big the magnitude of how big the abortion issue is in the world, okay, and and what what I want to I, I want to give you a place for you to because I'm going some things I'm about to show you. We're gonna put it on screen. I'm gonna talk to you about some things here in just a moment, and on the on, on the sermon notes page, there's a link to a page that you can see all the stats that I'm gonna talk about briefly. Goes in depth and shows you where all these stats came from, okay. And I'm not gonna bore you with a lot of stats, okay. You can read that and be bored later, okay. But it's it's Snopes.com. Have you ever read something on Facebook and you wanted to send it out and then you thought wait a minute I need to check make sure this is right. Now I know a lot of you had never done that because as soon as you see something sounds good you just go ahead and share it anyway whether it's right or not right. I'm really excited that I get I'm getting to share with you today I hope you'll go there and look at it Snopes.com okay Because some of you desperately need to be checking Snopes.com or something before you just click share on things, and let's quit praying for that baby that 20 years ago is two years old, and we're still calling him a two-year-old baby, and he needs our prayers today. Okay, let's quit praying for that one. All right, and we'll find you know if we'll we'll check it out just a little bit. So I'm glad I'm giving you that, but here's the thing I got to also tell you: is Snopes.com is not a Christian organization all they do is they research the stuff and so what they do is they say you know somebody asked the question well what about this and they say well here's the lowdown here's where we got to here's the the discussion here's what here's the fact and all of this okay and so there's this question and I I came across this question some time ago and and I thought well I wonder if that's really true or not because it sounds like you know sounds like it sounds like something somebody preached you know what I'm talking about like the little boy who asked his granddad the, the pastor he said granddad what you said today, was that really true or were you just preaching? You know, I think sometimes that's kind of the way some, when I hear something. I, because it, we, we jump too quickly. I want you to know, I want you to know your pastor. I, I, I don't hear something or I don't see something on social media and I stick at my sermon. Okay, I research it. I want you to know that. So Snopes lays all of it out. And, and, and they're, they're the guys that research. And they, their research takes you to other research, okay? Okay, so here's, here's the thing I want to lay out for you, all right? The top 10 causes of death. Now, in 2016, and uh, the top 10 do- causes of death worldwide, the reason I didn't skip 2017 or 2018 because they didn't match what I want to teach. You know, this is just the latest that we've really been able to get at this point, okay? 2016, globally, the top 10 causes of death are right there. Heart disease is the number one cause of death worldwide, and we can see that, right? Stroke and COPD, we can see that because those are big deals right here in the United States. Now, those are, what I just said, those are big deals, right? That's a big deal. When that many people die. I mean, if you add up all the, the deaths from 2016, and actually it looks like it's gonna be that way for 2017 and 2018, when you add up all those numbers, 30, over 30 million people died from just those 10 causes of death, okay? So now, let me qualify, let me lay this one out for you before I give you this next little thing also. Now, when Snopes is answering this question, that someone has posed, which I haven't given you the question yet either, because it'll lay, you'll understand the an, you'll already know the answer before I tell you. But when they're answering this question that someone had, they're saying, "Well, the question you're asking about, actually, the World Health Organization says the number is even higher than that." Now, do you know who the World Health Organization is? They go by who? World Health Organization. They're not a Christian group. They're they're not a religious uh, organization whatsoever. Uh, they they just a lot of what they do is is they report on these kinds of issues. Okay, and so these numbers came from that. But do you know what? Do you know what they say? Here's here's the word from the World Health Organization: is if you add all of these top ten causes of death, it's over 30 million people. Yet the number of abortions across the globe in 2016 and for the past five years, has numbered 56 million abortions. 56 million abortions. And again, this is not some preacher saying this on a Sunday morning. This is not just someone posting this on the social media page. This is from the World Health Organization. 56 million abortions took place last year across this globe. 56 million. Do you know how big that? I don't, I don't know how big that is. I don't know how to imagine how big that is. 56 million. And every single year for the past five years. 50, you know how many that is? That's 153,000 abortions today. And 153,000 abortions tomorrow. So when, when we say, well, that doesn't impact. You know, I shouldn't have a voice in this. If you're a child of God, you should have a voice in this. As salt, you need to say something. As salt, you need to, there should be some flavor of Christ come out of you because of what's going on. And 56 million, and, and let me do the math for you right there, 30 million to 56 million? I mean, do it. look at it right there. What, the, what does that tell us? That tells us that, and, the, and the, listen, let me make sure you understand, clarify, that these are induced abortions not accidents, not, not ladies that had a car accident and the baby was stillborn or something because of that, induced abortions, purposeful abortions, 56 million. So what, what that means is almost twice as many abortions happen in the world every year as the top 10 other leading causes of death across the globe. That's the magnitude of this. And salt cannot have an ostrich head in the sand attitude towards something of this magnitude. The church has to speak. The church has to say something. The salt has to do something. So, so, so oh, i gotta, I got to really hurry. How did we get here? How did we get here? How did we get to this place? You know, all of these things. The, the way that God feels about the unborn. How did we get here? You know, th- those are global numbers that we were just looking at. But, but here in the states, the United States, it's a high number also. It's, it's, it's closing in on just on a million just even right here every year in the United States. And that's just the ones that are reported. The actual ones that, that are reported here in the state. So how did we get here? Let me tell you how we got here. We got here because we've been being told over and over and over this truth. This truth that a baby is actually not a baby when it's not yet born. And We've been told this over and over and over and over and over. Until a lot of us are beginning to wonder, well, maybe it isn't. But what does science say? What does science say? We've already talked about What does science say? And then we were told this. Then we were told that the life of the mother is more important than the life of the baby. Okay, now, if you want to argue that, okay, argue that one. But I don't know any, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't know any mothers. I don't, I, I don't know any mothers who really feel that way. But, but see, that wasn't the end of it. Because, and, and i got to hurry, so I'll just jump to the end of this argument, of, the, of that second argument right there, and say, say that this, this is where we are today, is that now it's not the, just the, the life of the mother is more important than the life of the unborn baby, is that the convenience of the mother is more important than the life of the unborn baby. And, and, not, and it goes even further than that, and yeah, I've got an article for you there. Okay, big long article that you can read to see all of this stuff. It's, it's linked right there. That, that it's, it's not even that. That actually the, that the convenience of the mother, we're being told now that the convenience of the mother is actually even more important than the baby that has just been born out of the mother's womb. That in some places in the world today, when the baby is born, that if it is going to be an inconvenience, if it's going to be an inconvenience, if the baby's already born, and if it's going to be an inconvenience, and I didn't know I was going to share this with you today. I, I, I I'm, you know, really tried to stay away from just things to incite you and, and, and the hyperbole of all of it, but, it's, but that's what we're being told now today, and it's actually happening in this world, that after the baby is born, if it is going to be an inconvenience, it is allowed to just lay there and die. That's, that's how we got here. But I, I think the, the biggest reason that we got here is this. Here in the States, the biggest reason is because we haven't been the salt that we have the potential to be. We haven't spoken what we need to speak, we haven't said, we haven't done, we haven't acted, we haven't, we haven't just just been the salt and, and and change the the dialogue, the conversation, and challenge what needs to be challenged because we, we just haven't do so 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 what can we do? What what can we do? We do these three things what do we do? I mean assault. What do we do? Know the truth. You've got to know the truth because remember it wasn't just truth that sets us free. Jesus said you'll know the truth and that truth will set you free when you know the truth. So you have to know the truth. So you can't just sit here and say well I don't want to talk about abortion. No you need to know the truth and then share the truth with grace. We've been jerks at times. I'm just talking about us as Christians in the church. Yes we've been jerks at times and and people shut us down. They don't want to hear us anymore. We have to share it with grace. We have to share it with grace. And then we have to act. we have to do something. It's not, it's not enough to just say and I mean, the, the quick answer that I hear all the time is, you know, you say abortion's wrong, but how many of you would be willing to take in an unwanted baby today, To be a surrogate parent, to be a foster parent, to be an adoptive parent? I mean, but that's just one way. There are a lot of ways we, we have to know the truth, share it with grace, and be ready to do what needs to be done. We can't just at that point wash our hands of it and say, well, I shared the truth, and I shared it with grace. We have to be willing to do so. But you, I know you say, but what, what can I do? Let me tell you a story. I told it first service. I told it after I got everybody down front. And it was a little too lengthy. I don't want you to have to stand here that long. So let me, let me tell it. I wanted you down front because I wanted the impact of it. But i to tell you, tell you a story about Telemachus. Telemachus was a 5th century monk from Egypt. All right, now, again, on the, uh, the sermon notes page, there's a link to the, to the, the historical recording of this story. And I want to tell you—I want to tell you this because I want you to I want you to understand the links your pastor goes to to make sure I'm not preaching to you Facebook stuff, okay, or social media stuff, or what, even opinion, okay. Is because I had heard this story, and so I, I wanted to use it in this sermon, and so I, you know, went to Google, and started looking, you know, just and looked up Telemachus, and you know what? Everything I found was about Greek mythology, a character in Greek mythology. I forgot who his mom and dad were in Greek mythology because I'm not really into Greek mythology, okay? You know, I don't like to mix it because if I mix it, I'm afraid I'll get some of this confused in what I'm preaching, you know? So I don't, so I kept looking. All I see is Telemachus, you know, the Greek mythology, da, da, da. And then I thought, wait a minute, he was a monk. So I typed in Telemachus the monk. Boom. Now I'm starting to get stories. But the stories I was reading, those stories, they were, they were the kind that I had heard before. And, uh. And listen, here's, here's what kind of goes back to that, that little kid asking his granddad, are you telling the truth or are you just preaching? You know? Is I think when we tell, sometimes we tell a story over and over and over, what happens? Y'all ever played that game gossip? where you whisper something and it goes around the room, and when it gets around the room, it ain't near what it was when it started, you know? It's totally different. Uh, that, that happens when we tell something, we don't keep going back to the source, okay? This this uh, source that I, I'm giving you on the on the Connect page in the sermon notes, if you wanna look at it, it's it's from a historian that actually lived at the time of Telemachus, when he lived, okay? Fifth century, about 400, 400 something years after Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again. That's where 300 something years after, after Jesus lived, died and rose again he was here, okay, so he, he wrote this as a contemporary of this story, okay, so this story and, and I want you to know that because I want you to know, I, I, I'm not throwing at you stuff that everybody's saying I, I want you to know truth, I want you to know fact because I want us to know the truth and share it with grace, and here's the story of Telemachus. y'all know about the gladiator games in ancient Rome, it's where Two guys who have trained and buffed up and everything they could do, they get out and they do more than pro wrestling. Okay, they actually fight till one of them is dead. Now sometimes the crowd may save one if he's a favorite or something. They may say thumbs up, thumbs up, don't kill him if he gets in trouble. But most of the time they want they want they want a death. And God spoke to this monk Telemachus and told him to leave Egypt and go to Rome because you have to you have to oppose these barbarians barbarous fi- fights that are going on, the, the gladiator games that are going on. And so he gets there, and as he's going through the streets, he's hearing all these people. They're so excited, more excited than Jeff is about an Auburn game down on the plains. They're excited. They're, they're talking about, you know, all this. They're bloodthirsty. They're ready for it. And, and he pushes his way through the crowd, I've got to get in there, I've got to stop this, I've got to stop this. And he gets inside the, the Coliseum and he, and he crawls over the wall and he goes right out into the middle of the arena. And he stands in between these two gladiators and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, this has to stop. Now the crowd, I g- imagine, you know what happens if somebody runs on the field and stops a, stops a good Auburn game while it's going? You know what happens? They did the same thing, even worse. They started yelling at him to get out of the way, and, and he said it again, in the name of Jesus Christ, this activity must stop. This action, this way this way you were treated, this, this game to the death has to stop. People in the crowds, they started picking things up and throwing at him, trying to get him to leave. They kept throwing until they, some people started picking up rocks, and they stoned him until he died. And when the emperor hears about it, the Roman uh, the Roman Empire had begun moving toward Christianity. And so when the emperor, I know where it's, and, the, and, and his name, all of that's right there. You want to go look at, the, this, this is the historical account from the 5th century. When he hears of this, he calls Telemachus, one of the martyrs of the Christian church, and he stops the gladiator games. The gladiator games ended because of a 5th century monk Crawled over the wall and went and stood in the middle of everything culture was about that day and said, This has to stop in the name of Jesus. And he didn't live to see it, but it happened. The gladiator game stopped. This horrible thing that was happening in culture stopped because one person said, Show me what to do, God, and I'll do it. I'm not just talking about abortion anymore. I'm talking about anything going on in our world. We have to be willing to know that, we have to be more than willing, we have to be aggressive at knowing the truth, willing to share it with grace, and then willing to do whatever needs to be done if we're gonna change this world. Because this sermon series is about being salt in every arena, in every situation, in every relationship that we have, it's about being salt. And you and I have to be willing to do these three things. And you think you don't have power, Jesus Christ said you did, you're salt you're salt. You are salt. You are salt. You have the potential to change a culture. You have the potential to change a generation. You and I have this potential in us because we have been flavored with Jesus Christ, and everything we come in contact with will have a flavor of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.